Welcome to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast with your host, adoption author Sherry Eldridge. Adoptive parents will find hope here, hope that strained relationships with their adopted children can heal. Hi, friends through adoption. It's Sherry Eldridge here. Hey, I've been thinking about you and about the last podcast I did with you about how parenting an adopted child can be more stressful, can be more challenging than parenting a bio child. And I don't know where you're at in your parenting season, whether you're a beginner, whether you're a prospective parent, whether you've just parented for years. I want to not give you too much (laughs) in the beginning of this, but I want to help prepare you also for what may happen or what may not happen. We called it pushback in the last podcast, and it comes in many forms. And we'll talk about why that is and what the adoptee needs more than anything from you, which is a non-abandoning heart. This is the greatest gift that you can ever give to your adopted child. So let's talk about times that you might have to do that, especially concentrated. And so I'm going to rely on the 50 moms who contributed to this research and tell you how your child may give you stress in the home situation. So these are the moms, not my voice. These are the moms. Kristen Erickson said, it has been devastating to me to learn that my children can be triggered by my very being. I am their biggest reminder that someone chose not to raise them. That's profound, isn't it? The second one is the child running away. Cindy Koisterson says, I had no idea about the stress that could occur. The childhood and teen years, while difficult with behavioral issues, were mostly good. I foolishly thought that if they'd last, they'd last. But as adults, we have been rejected many times over. The first time was when our son left home in the middle of the night, and we didn't know where he was for several months. When we did connect with him, he made sure we knew that he hated us, hated his home, and didn't want us to find him. Since then, this pattern has happened many times over. Keep fastening your seatbelt here, parents. This can happen, but it doesn't mean it will. These are the voices of fellow parents. The child can become distant. Laura Whiting talks about this. She said, after I adopted my daughter, our mother-daughter relationship flourished until the high school years when behavior issues intensified. That was the beginning of me feeling that our relationship was beginning to suffer and she was beginning to, quote, pull away. The next one is the child trying to control the family. And Wendy Fitzgerald gave us a great example and quote here. She says, Children that have been through early life trauma are excellent controllers. Because I saw my job as a mother, as one was to help them learn how to handle life situations, my control needed to be better than theirs. I was the teacher, so I became better at control than they were in a specific situation. In turn, they would learn to control in a new situation, in a new way. And I would learn to respond and control them in a new way. 
This dance of control challenged the tenacity of our family. Thank you, Wendy, for that quote. Another one, and this is an extreme one, but the child can attack the mom's character. Pam Mittenberger says, I have two girls who are 18 months apart. I had two who worked hard together to hurt me as best they could. So those are the voices of moms. Now, when things like this happen, extreme behaviors, issues, we want to blame somebody, right? And society wants to blame somebody. And we want to blame ourselves. So who is to blame for this behavioral issue that can crop up sometime during an adoptee's life, all the time during an adoptee's life, or not at all? So in our humanity, we want to blame somebody, right? For the stress and the strain that's being produced in the home. How many times have I read in the paper that about a crime and then there's a footnote or else just a regular sentence that tells that it was an adopted child who committed the crime? Why does the media have to do that? That really angers me. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard fellow adoptees say, I wonder if I have a character defect passed down in my DNA from an unknown birth relative. So I want to tell you, adoptees, no, 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 it is not your fault. It is not my fault. There is not some hidden gene from an evil relative pulsing through your veins. Our brains, fellow adoptees, were damaged by trauma. They haven't known this for years, but it's just so exciting what's happening in the area of brain research in regard to adoption. I love to read about what Dr. Bessel van der Kolk says in his wonderful book called The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. Now, this is specifically related to those of us who have traumatized brains and whether or not it's our fault for the stress in the family. He says, we now know that their behaviors are not the result of moral failings or signs of a lack of willpower or bad character. Do you hear that? They are caused by actual changes in the brain. By allowing the child's body to have experiences that deeply, viscerally contradict the helplessness rage, or collapse from trauma, the brain can heal. We can heal fellow adoptees. And so there is hope. And I believe our brains will heal. Now, healing doesn't mean that all the repercussions of our trauma just get wiped away. We're a clean, white slate. No, that doesn't happen. We'll still have echoes of them, but they usually won't trigger us. That's what healing is all about for our adopted brains. And parents can help us heal by creating sensory memories for us that will be like a bridge over the pathway of trauma. So we need to quit forgiving ourselves, fellow adoptees, and we need to forgive ourselves. We need to remember the hard times that we've had and realize that we had very, very special needs that were created by the trauma our brains went through. And I can say this at this point, even though I was severely traumatized, maybe something inside me would notice Retha, and she's my adoptive mom, 
noticed her love even so slightly. I think I must have. All I knew was abandonment, but something new can peek through the clouds, the dark clouds. Could I not see the twinkle in her eye? Could I not begin to feel safe physically when she rubbed warm oil on my asthmatic chest? That may not register with us at the time, parents, but it's registered in our brains. And so adoptive parents, remember this. You are registering permanent, incredible memories of love in our brain. And if they don't surface now, they can and will someday if we are willing to do the work of recovery. And that's what this podcast is all about. And so let me now talk to the parents. Adoptive parents, foster parents, we need risky love. Now, what in heck is that, Sherry? What is risky love? Risky love is a love that isn't afraid of our strong behavior. And you know, I repeat, it's really easy to be afraid of the anger or the lashing out or whatever, the verbal attack. But don't let that get to you, parents. I don't know. Imagine you've got a sheet of armor around your whole body and head, but just let it go off you and realize it's coming from the woundedness in our hearts. Talk to us during and after meltdowns, please. I really believe as an adoptee that that would help us so much. It would help us to understand the reason behind our strong reactions to life. It would help us take responsibility for wrongs and suffer the consequences. Don't try to make it all up for us. Let us live the consequences. You know, as I look back on my relationship with Retha, my adoptive mom, I wish she would have talked openly with me about my part in the strain in our home that both of us created, really. She was afraid, and she kind of went into a fear mode and shut down. And, you know, I was not aware of anything. (laughs) That's what happens when you've got attachment disorders. But if she would have helped me understand what I was doing, like it would have helped me understand why I stole clothes from a neighbor's closet. I still can remember that. I mean, it's just a hint of a memory, but it still gives me the creeps. Maybe she could have said, maybe you stole clothes from so-and-so's closet because deep down you believe that you were stole and given your dad and me. I don't know if it would have registered with me, but I would have appreciated it if that would have been planted in my brain as well. And so my mom and dad had beautiful fine furniture in their bedroom. And one day when they were gone, I was probably eight years old, I took a pin, brooch pin that was on the dresser, and I scratched, I love you, mommy, and I love you, daddy, on both ends of their fine furniture. And I could not wait for them to get home and see it. They were at the golf course. So they came in and I looked at their faces. I thought they were going to be so excited to see this, how much I love them. And my mom just took a a big breath and she said, well, we love you too. For adopted parents, isn't that the most loving thing? And, you know, they kept that desk with the scratched messages until they were both gone and it was still in their basement. So it's a tribute to their love. But I wish she could have said, I wonder if you scratched it because you wanted me to know how much you miss your first mother, that you miss and love her too. 
And if she just could have planted those little curiosities within me, it would have helped a lot. (laughs) So anyway, this challenge may be intimidating to you, moms. And in order to do this effectively, you will need a deep comprehension of what's really going on in your child's mind and heart. Moms should examine how current struggles lead back, I believe, always to relinquishment. That's our trauma. We're alone, we're lonely, we're afraid. And that's the biggest hurt, I believe, for the adopted child. It always seems to come back to that. If you can unravel the present-day circumstances and get back to the original perceived abandonment by the birth mother, no matter whether the birth mother intended it or not, and even if it was a great send-off, adoptees read it as rejection. Most of them do. Not all of them, but most of them. We'll talk about this as we go through this podcast. Here's a great example of unwinding the current day circumstances and not abandoning the child, not leaving them, not putting them on the porch for their anger, but staying there and offering a non-abandoning heart. This is a beautiful quote by Amy Snyder. And so here it is, folks. I remember one particular day when my daughter was 16 and very angry at me for asking her to put on a more modest shirt before going out to her chemist class. She went ballistic and screamed, why does it always have to be about you? Wendy says, I sat speechless as she ran to her room. Her reaction was not in line, so I sent up a quick prayer for wisdom, and God graciously gave me a swift answer. I calmly knocked on her door and asked if I could ask her something, and she said that I could. And so I asked, is that something you want to tell me to yell at your birth mom? and can't because she's not here. Isn't that very, very wise? And then she says, my daughter collapsed on me in tears, and we got to cry together because of her pain. And so God used this moment that could have divided us to help bond us. She's a great example of risky love and showing a non-abandoned heart. Yay for you. Amy Snyder. Of course, we admire her wisdom, right? But where did she get it? Did she get a master's degree in counseling? I don't believe so. I don't think she probably had time for that. Another means of gaining accurate knowledge about the adoptee processing is hearing the honest sharing of adult adoptees who are healthy. Yes, there are some that are healthy. You must seek them out. And it's here that you can learn to speak the heart language of your adopted child. There will be ideas of how you might gain this interest and read the books. I'll give you some specific books. And so parents, the second thing I'd like to talk to you about is in this risky love and displaying this non-abandoning heart, I'd like to encourage you to use icebreakers and make it a common occurrence in the home. Adoption shouldn't just be a like a one-time conversation. It should be an everyday occurrence where we talk about things, right? It's not a scary thing. We should talk about it. Yes, you have a birth mother. Yes, you have a birth father. And, you know, let's talk about it. So some common icebreakers might be you must signal okayness, okay? That it's okay 
to talk about your birth parents. So how do you do that? How do you signal, okay, Mrs. with the icebreaker? So you might say, I wonder where you got that beautiful black hair. Do you think it could be from your first mom? That's a great icebreaker. How about, I wonder if your first dad had zits on his face like you when he was a teenager. And then a third one might be, your mom was so gifted. You are so gifted in piano, just like your first mom was. Maybe the mother died. Who knows? And that needs to be talked about, too. So take the risk, parents. Now, I'd like to share an effective icebreaker to use with adopted teens and adults. Okay, here's the story behind this, the backstory. In 1999, when my first book, which is titled 20 Things Adopted Kids Wish Their Adoptive Parents Knew, when this was published, an adoptive mom named Julie Kraft contacted me. She's a social worker here in Indianapolis, and she had bought the book. Her daughter was in residential care because of suicidal ideation and attempts, and the social workers could not get her to open up. So here's what Julie did. She got my book and then she read it and wrote all of her reactions around in the margin. Like, I didn't know this, honey, or please forgive me, or will you teach me about this? The margins were all filled with her thoughts. So she sends it to Lauren, her daughter, and Lauren reads it and she opens up and she gets free of all that pain. So, you know, in the months to come, I got to mentor her. And we wrote a workbook together for adopted teens, which will be available on my new site soon. So anyway, let's end this by saying a little bit about the abandoning heart. I do believe this is the greatest gift that you can ever give to your adopted child. When you think on one side, abandonment is in the adoptee heart, and then a non-abandoning heart is what you can give. What a great gift. And sometimes that's all you can give if your child continues, you know, in a downward spiral or whatever. I know you will take the risk and be there for him or her. So I believe Retha gave me this gift. And I think these were her beliefs as a not abandoning mom. She said, I will do everything possible to connect with my child. I will love her even if she rejects me. I will love her unconditionally, knowing her backstory. I will love her even though I'm afraid of her behaviors. I will love her with risky love that isn't afraid of remaining in the meltdown and helping her understand what's really happening. And I will go to my grave knowing I've done my absolute best for her. And Risa did go to her grave with a non-abandoning heart the last time I talked to her. My husband and I were on our way with our two young girls to Florida for a vacation to be with them. And um, she dropped dead of a massive heart attack, totally unexpected. So I still remember seeing her body being shipped into the cargo area of the plane we took back to Indiana with my dad. And I remember standing at her snowy grave in my sandals. That's all I had to wear because I had been in Florida. So anyway, the gift of a non-abandoning heart, 
parents, moms, adoptees, you know, cherish it for what it is. And adoptees, ask God to to increase self-awareness in you so that you can begin to see that love that has always been there. Okay? All right, here's a story that illustrates the non-abandoning heart. There was a forest ranger in uh, California who was surveying the results of a forest fire. All the mighty redwoods were but an ash heap, and so he kicked his way through the ashes, and as he did, a mysterious clump, which he kicked to the side, and immediately baby chicks ran out from underneath from their dead mama's body. What a mom that eagle was, that mama eagle was, and what a mom Rita was to me. I can see that now. I can be very grateful for her love, even though she's gone. Because you see, she planted those memories of not being abandoned, of nurturing, of loving in me, even when I didn't know what it was. But that's the the wonder of the human brain. And it's the wonder of God who creates new life in our hearts. That's my message for today parents and fellow adoptees. I love you all. I love that we can do this podcast together. It's pretty fun. And just let me know how you like it. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast. If you can think of friends or family that would benefit from this information, feel free to share. See you next time.